Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. You know, uh, Sunday nights for years, uh, we have reserved them for the moving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're always obviously prepared, uh, but we're also uh, uh, sensitive to what He's saying and what He's asking us to do. And uh, so uh, we want to look at some things tonight. Uh, but with, with that understanding, I learned years ago that every service has a purpose. Uh, there's a plan for every service. And uh, when I come to understand that, then I can get into the flow of that service. And, uh, you know, some years ago, uh, well, it would have been 20 now, I guess, 25 years ago, and uh, Pastor Michelle and I uh, had been attending a uh, church in the Kansas City, Kansas area, and uh, uh, we were working in in that ministry and and helping and uh, doing everything from running the sound to ushering to uh, leading praise and worship to everything, Uh, and long story short, as we we kept working there and uh, uh, ministering, uh, the pastor, eventually the pastor asked me if I would be her assistant pastor, and that was for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, the anointing was there, but secondly, she was not well in her body and was not able to, to do all that she needed to do. And so uh, about that time, I was really seeking the Lord about some things. And uh, I, I the only way I know to put it is I was so hungry for what God wanted us to do in our lives. And to the point that the only thing that I knew to do was to, when I would pray, I would say, Father, I only want what you want for our lives. This is what I want. This is what I want to press into. And uh, I would sit and talk to Pastor Michelle, and I would say, I'm so desirous to do what God wants me to do with my life, what God wants us to do. And uh, it, was, it was like we were on the verge of something. We were on the verge of something, and all it was going to take was just somebody to go ahead and tip the balance, and then the whole thing was going to come, come over. And uh, so I began to seek the Lord, and uh, I began to seek the Lord uh, with uh, fasting and prayer and I just I entered into a time of extended fasting and just uh, you know uh, seeking the Lord about what he would have us to do and I've had people over the years uh, they'll say different things you know about fasting and whatnot and and you know how that the church was never commanded to fast in the New Testament and that's true Uh, the church isn't commanded to fast but look when the church did fast in the New Testament look at the power that fell Amen. Kind of, kind of quiet, but nonetheless, Amen. And and but the point is that I'm making 
And so I entered into this, this time of fasting and prayer, and uh, it was about that time as well that we decided, you know what, we don't need TV. We don't need these distractions that are trying to come in. We want what God wants for us. And so, uh, uh, you know, the long and short of it is, is through that time of seeking God and pressing into that, I begin to see something. And the first thing that I begin to see was there came an increase in miracles and signs and wonders and healings that begin to happen, all right? When there's a move of God on, one of the main components of that will be signs and wonders and miracles and healing every time. Why? Because that, that is, Brother Hagin said, that's the dinner bell. That's, that's what causes people to want to see what's going on. Now, here's the point. But it began, it began to be something where that, that power, that healing power was flowing through my spirit on an unhindered level. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> because of the desire to see what God would do. And I began to notice something. That when we laid hands on people in the name of Jesus, it wasn't something, some people got healed uh, uh, gradually in, in, in a, a healing sense. Uh, but we were seeing instantaneous miracles. I mean, people just absolutely set free by the power of God. I, I lost count of how many people were healed of cancer. They just, and, and it was, people used to joke and say, you can't come here with cancer, you'll get healed. And, and that was that, that's the truth, and it's still that way. But we saw epileptics healed. We, there was one little boy that his mother brought him to church, and he was on seven different allergy medicines. And the doctors, the doctors basically said, he's allergic to everything. There's nothing that he's not allergic to. Cats, dogs, pollen, foods, nuts, milk, nothing that he, he had the most boring life, right? She brought him to church. We prayed for him. Mama took him back to the doctor the next day. So he goes to the doctor one day and he's allergic to everything. He goes to the doctor the next day and he's allergic to nothing. And, you know, not too long ago, I heard from that young man. He was 22, 23 years of age and still well, still healed by the power of God. Amen. Well, what we begin to see was that when we laid hands on people in the name of Jesus, things would change. When we use the name of Jesus, things are supposed to change. They're supposed to take a turn. And so here in the book of Philippians chapter 2, is where we'll begin tonight. And ever how long we can go into this. But one thing that I want to say is I sense that same atmosphere. And, uh, you know, we saw the announcements, FBIMA, Bible school starting back up. You know, uh, it's going to be the greatest year yet of Bible school. And here's why. I know more than I've ever known. I know more than I've ever known. I know more than I knew six months ago. I know more than I knew last week. And so every, every time we come together in church, the potential is there for God to do more than he did the week before. Amen. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, I want to spend a few moments tonight talking about the name above all names. The name above all names. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Amplified Bible says that God has bestowed on him the name. God has bestowed on him the name. All right? So Jesus, we can see from these verses, was given authority in three worlds. He was given authority, according to Scripture, uh, in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. So he was given authority in heaven, authority in earth, and authority in hell. So he was given authority in three worlds. The uh, book of Hebrews chapter 2 Hallelujah. And uh, verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The Rotherham translation says he might paralyze him, that is the devil. The Bible in basic English says put an end to him who had the power of death. Put an end to him that had the power of death. So as believers we have to understand that the devil was paralyzed by Jesus, and then Jesus gave us his name to keep him paralyzed. Amen. He was paralyzed by Jesus, and then the name was given to us to keep him that way, to keep him in that position of defeat. Hallelujah. And that's why when we mention that Jesus has, uh, the name of Jesus carries authority in three worlds, in heaven, in the earth, and in hell. Amen. It's important to understand that, because when we use the name of Jesus, it moves heaven. And it moves heaven to act in the earth. When I use the name of Jesus, every, every available resource that comes from heaven automatically comes at my disposal. Because of the use of the name of Jesus. Amen. And he gave me that name to keep the devil paralyzed, to keep him defeated. It's not an issue of defeating the devil. It's an issue of keeping him in his place. Amen. If, if as a believer you are fighting the devil, you're not aware of your authority in the name. In the New Testament, nowhere is the believer told to fight the devil. Nowhere. Is the believer told to fight the devil? I have a 16, 17 week teaching, 16 or 17, 12 weeks uh, in uh, Bible school called Dress to Kill. And we talk about how that nowhere in the New Testament is the believer told to fight the devil. We're told to resist him. We're told to stand against him. Nowhere in the entire New Testament are the words war, warfare, or warring 
ever used in connection with the devil, ever. Why? We've been given the name that is above every name, and at the name of Jesus, we keep the devil in a defeated position. Amen. It's so important because you have a lot of believers that are running around trying to fight a paralyzed devil. Amen. Now think about this. If you were encountered a huge person, a huge man, and he's threatening you, right? But all of a sudden, it comes to your knowledge that he can't move. He's paralyzed. Well, it doesn't matter how big he is or how loud he is, he can't move. He's paralyzed. Right? The enemy talks so much because there's nothing he can do if he can't get you to cooperate. I got to cooperate with what he's saying. When he tells me to be afraid, I've got to cooperate and be afraid. When he tells me I'm not going to make it, I've got to cooperate and begin to declare that and go that way. There's nothing the enemy can do. I've heard preachers preach wonderful sermons on how we better watch out for the devil. I think that the guy who's paralyzed should watch out for the person that's been given all authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's not an issue when, when you go through the scriptures, and we're not going to read all of this tonight, but he said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. Notice he didn't say anything about the devils putting up a fight. Right? He said, you'll go tell them to leave and they'll leave. Is that right? Why? Because they're paralyzed. They're existing in a place that they have a right to be, but the Bible says when a stronger shows up, they got to go. Amen. Amen. This is important because that name carries that kind of weight in hell. And when we say in hell, we mean with those that are destined there, those beings that are destined to go there. It carries that kind of weight. John G. Lake said one time, uh, he was, of course, he was a missionary to Africa for years, and uh, 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 they, they called him to a house. And uh, he went to this house and uh, they took him up to a room where this demon-possessed man was. And he said, I walked in that room and he said, that man was huge. And he said he was, he was crouched on the side of his bed like a lion about to pounce on its prey. And he said, I just stood there and took authority over that in the name of Jesus. And he said, just little by little, inch by inch, I walked up to hit that bed. Amen. And he said, when I got up to the edge of that bed, I just said, in the name of Jesus, you come out of him and set him free in Jesus' name. And instantly, the man was set free by the power of God. He said, there was absolutely no way I could have overpowered him in the natural. There was no way. He had hurt people. He had done people harm. But when he encountered the name of Jesus. Everything had to change. The name of Jesus is not a trinket. It's not a token. It's not the end of our prayers. When I was growing up, I was raised classic Pentecostal. And we, and we would sing songs. Take Jesus with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, take the name of Jesus. And it was kind of like we had the name of Jesus on our, on our 
tag, you know, name of Jesus. We use the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. And we didn't really know what the power was in the name. Amen. It's so powerful that Paul tells you in the epistles, do all things in the name. Whatever you do, do it in the name. When you go to work, do it in the name. When you eat, do it in the name. When you go to sleep, do it in the name. When you deal with something, do it in the name. Why? That's where the authority is. That's where the power is. That's where the ability is. If I go to work in the name of Jesus, every devil, every demon, every imp that has set itself against my success that day will be driven back even before I know it because I'm going in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? So if the devil's paralyzed, and he, and he is, then we have to keep him there. I say we have to keep him there. And I've had people that are quick to, to qualify that. Well, now the devil has power. Well, he does have a limited power, but not over us. Amen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the power he exerts is blinding the minds of them that don't believe. Is that right? Well, he can't do that to us because we have believed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, in Matthew 8, hallelujah. I've already done it. I've preached myself happy. Amen. When you say, in the name of Jesus, something shifts in the heavenlies. Something shifts in the atmosphere. That there, there was a man, he's, he's actually in heaven today, but I read his, his, uh, his testimony. Uh, uh, he was, he was uh, uh, in an accident. And I mean, died. Went to heaven. And, and walked around heaven. And uh, uh, they came to him and said, you got to go back. And he said, I don't want to go back. And they said, you got to. And he said, Why? And they pulled back the curtain, and there was, there was one of his female relatives was praying, and they said, she's using that name. you got to go back. Amen. Why? It carries authority in heaven. When Brother Hagin's Sunday school superintendent fell and fell into that machinery on the oil field and was just all but dead, and they, they took him, and the doctor said, if he lives through the night, it'll be a miracle. And Brother Hagin was pleading his cause. Lord, he's the best Sunday school superintendent I've ever had. I've had, right, he helps me more than anybody else. And all these different things. And the man testified when he came out of the coma, when he came to church, he testified that Jesus came to him and said, you got to go back. And he said, why? And he said, because Brother Hagin won't let you stay. He's using that name. So any of y'all get any ideas going early, I'm not going to let you stay. You're coming back, all right? So enjoy it while you're there, but you're coming back. Hallelujah. Why? I need everybody. I need everybody here. I need everybody doing what God called them to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. (laughs) Matthew 8, verse 8. And this is a familiar passage, but notice, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion was saying two things here. 
Now, we've talked about how your words carry authority. We talked about that for a number of weeks. But he's saying two things here. If my name carries enough authority to cause men to do as I say, how much more authority does your name carry? Amen. Think about that. Then he's saying, I recognize that you've been set over sickness and disease just like I've been set over these men. And if I tell these men to go, they go. If I tell them to come, they come. And if you, having that authority, will tell this sickness to go, it'll go. I recognize that. Do do you see that? You've You've got to build your faith so in the name of Jesus that you literally know it is impossible for me to say in the name of Jesus and that thing not change. It's impossible. Amen. I'll say it this way. It is a physical impossibility for it not to happen. Amen. I, I can't make that work for everybody, but I can make it work for me. Because you have something to say about it. But where you are personally concerned, when you declare in the name of Jesus, according to Scripture, things are supposed to change. Is that right? They're supposed to change. Now, this is important because this is the spiritual plane of appreciation for the name of Jesus that we have to rise to. Meaning this, when something's prayed in the name, it's done. It's done. When you pray it in the name, it's done. Why? Because Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. Is that what he said? And then he went on and said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it for you. Right? Anything in the name, it'll be done. Hallelujah. So so what's the prerequisite there? Faith in the name. Belief in the name. Glory to God. And so... When I use that, when I say, in the name of Jesus, it has has to to produce a reverence. Because I've just just done something. I've I've invoked that name. Right? You know, there are Protestant denominations that do not believe in invoking the name of Jesus. Well, how do they ever get a prayer answered? They'll say, in your name, or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, it's, they're not bad people. They love the Lord. They just have wrong teaching. Jesus said, ask in my name, pray in my name, speak in my name, act in my name, baptize in my name. Everything you do, do it in my name. Why? That's where the authority comes in. When Jesus said this, he said, go into all the world and make disciples He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he said that, it was actually this, baptizing them into the name 
of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them into the authority of the name. There's been small wars fought over how do we baptize, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or in the name of Jesus. Well, Paul in the Pauline epistles and all through Acts said, baptize them in the name of Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is being baptized into the name that carries the authority. So when you're baptized, you're baptized into the name. And you carry the same authority that Jesus carried. The man Jesus carries, carried no more authority than the name Jesus carries. The name Jesus carries the same authority the man Jesus carried. And when the name is presented, the man is presented. And when the name is used, the man shows up. That's why he said, when you gather, gather together in my name, and where I, you, you are at, and my name is, I'm in the midst of you. So, so, so people will say, well, I'd like to see Jesus. It's not you physically seeing Jesus as it is you taking by faith that when you call the name of Jesus, the man shows up. Oh, glory to God. The early church did not have a lot of the revelation that we have. But they knew how to use the name. They knew how to use the name. Remember what Peter said? We'll talk about that in a moment. They went by the, the lame man at the gate, beautiful, and he wanted some money. And Peter said, silver and gold, have I none? You know, there, there are people that will argue, well, you know, and, and they'll try to make their prosperity point. Well, you know, but Peter, what he literally meant was, you know, it won't help you. Listen, Scripture says Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold. Whether he left his wallet at home or whatever, I don't know. But here's what I know. He said, but what I do have. <laughs> what he had, the name. Why? The next verse, the next, script, the, next, the next phrase says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he so expected that man to be healed by the name that he reached down and picked him up. Amen. And it says, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. And it says, they were in the temple, and all the people were gathered together to hear them. And the chief priest and the scribes came and asked them what they were doing. And the people began to praise God and begin to rejoice and look at Peter and John like they had done something. And Peter said, why are you looking at us as if in our own power or our own strength we've done something to this man? It was the name and faith in in the name that made him sound. The name and faith in the name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So when something's prayed in the name, it's done. See, that we know that that is a principle of faith. But think of it this way. If I look at how the man Jesus operated, and all through the four Gospels, every person that believed received exactly what they asked of him. The name of Jesus is no different than the man Jesus. If I will believe, everything I ask in the name will happen. Now, Pastor, that's a strong statement. It's a Bible statement. It's a true statement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why, the, the name carries the authority. When, uh, when, when 
before my dad went home to be with the Lord, uh, I, was, I was up. Uh, uh, they needed to go to some doctor visits, and so my sister had been up, and, and so then she came back uh, to Kansas, and I went up. And uh, uh, before we left, we were, we were supposed to sign on our house while I was gone. And uh, before I left, I went down to the uh, title company, and I signed a power of attorney. In other words, now it was temporary power of attorney, but <laughs> nonetheless, I think every wife has power of attorney. We just, you know, right? Already in the name. So, but, you know, I went down and I read the document because that's what I do. And it says, you know, by signing this document, I am authorizing her to conduct business in my name. Sign my name. Affix my name to documents. She could have signed a contract in my name and it would have been legal. Right? Because of the power of attorney. E.W. Kenyon, I don't know how many know who E.W. Kenyon was. E.W. Kenyon was conducting a seminar one time in Tennessee. And he was preaching on the name of Jesus, teaching on the name of Jesus. And a lawyer came up to him, uh, actually interrupted him, and he said, Dr. Kenyon, if I hear you right, you're saying that through the name of Jesus, we have the power of attorney. And Dr. Kenyon said, well, you're a lawyer, I'm a layman. He said, you tell me, is, is, is that what I'm, I'm saying? He said, yes, to me that sounds like what you're saying. And he said, how powerful is the power of attorney? And the lawyer said, it depends on the name back of the document. The power of attorney is only as powerful as the name of the person that you're using. So the Bible says that through the name of Jesus, we can exercise authority in three worlds. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. That's the power of attorney that we've been given. And so that's why one, one translation of, of John when Jesus said... Ask the Father anything in my name and he will do it for you. The original Greek says this, that even if he doesn't have it, he will create it. Because you're using the name of Jesus. Now there's nothing that God doesn't have. But he's showing us two things. That God is so moved by the name of Jesus that if by some possibility there was something he did not have, he would create it to match you using the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Do you see that? Mm. Now, in uh, Daniel 7, Daniel 7, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Daniel 7, verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now this is a picture of Jesus after he has defeated Satan and all rule and all authority has been invested in him by the Father. 
And notice what it says. It says it's an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Hallelujah. Everything the man Jesus was given, the name Jesus possesses. When you came into the name of Jesus, you have been given dominion and it's an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. The book of Hebrews says a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Why? It's founded on the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Amen. That, that, that's so powerful. Because, you know, Jesus, when you look at Jesus in the four Gospels, he never laid hands on anybody in the name of Jesus. He was Jesus. He never cast out devils in the name of Jesus. He was Jesus. Right? He just, he just used his authority. And they recognize his authority. When you lay hands on someone in the name of Jesus, amen, that sickness recognizes that you're using delegated authority, you're using the power of attorney, and it has to go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Do you see this? Now look at Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Hallelujah. Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority, right, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now notice, all authority. There's not any authority that wasn't invested in that name. That's so, that's so important. Because when I recognize that, this changes your prayer life. This changes your laying hands on people. This changes the way you believe. Because according to this scripture, if, if words mean what they mean, and they do, he said all, you know what all means in the Greek? All. <laughs> all means all. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So there's no authority in heaven or in earth that's not been invested in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do, do you see that? And he tells us to go therefore, because that authority has been invested, and do something. Teach all nations, baptizing them into that name. Bringing them into that same authority. Bringing them into that same dominion. Hallelujah. That, that's why somebody can get saved and born again and led a life of a loser and failed at everything they did and get born again and start using the name of Jesus and everything turn around and life change and everything. They become a winner and a champion. They didn't just become a winner and a champion because they got born again. They became a winner and a champion because they entered into some authority that they didn't know existed. I'm going to tell you this in just a minute. Only the believer has the right to the name of Jesus. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. All he was in the name, all he was is in the name. All he is is in the name. And that name is ours. That name is ours. We talk about being in the family of God. We are in the family of God. 
But we are in the name. We are in the name. Hallelujah. In Mark 16. Mm, am I helping you? Because I'm telling you. You know, there's a reason Hebrews tells us something. It says we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip, let them slide by us. There are things, like we talked about the Holy Spirit today, and, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks uh, in, the, in this series, Being Stilled in the Flow. You've got to constantly go and revisit those truths about the Holy Spirit, right? Maintain your relationship with Him. You've got to constantly be revisiting truths about the name of Jesus. Amen. Why? Because it's something that I have been given in, in not just in my arsenal. The name of Jesus is my arsenal. There's nothing it cannot defeat. There's nothing it cannot stop. When Jesus stood up on the boat and he said to the wind, he said, peace be still, told the wind to stop and the waves to cease. Amen. That was a demonstration of the authority that we have in the name. And, and, and when you declare in the name of Jesus that something stops, it stops. Mm. Mark 16 and verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. Now this is important. Because when you think about this, I want, I want you to see something. In my name. We could say in my place. Or in my stead, they'll cast out devils. If I'm doing it in the, if, if I was doing something in Brother Billy's name, I would go to whatever, I, whatever place of business or whatever I was doing, and I would say, I'm here in the name of Brother Billy, and I need you to do this. Well, they would see me, but know it was him asking. Because I'm there in his name. In my name, they will cast out devils. Notice, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, we can say it this way. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. In my name they'll speak with new tongues. In my name they'll take up serpents. In my name if they drink any deadly thing it will not hurt them. In my name they will lay hands on the sick. And in my name they will recover. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Now, one minister that I have great respect for says you can read this this way. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now, I'm not going to argue with him about it because either way works for me. But here's the thing. In my name, I've got to believe. Well, what do I believe in? The name. Only believers have the right to use the name of Jesus. The right to use his name, this is important, is a conferred blessing on the church. It's one of the conferred blessings on the church. We have the right to use His name. And that right belongs to every child of God. Every child of God. 
So when Jesus gave the church the right to use his name, that right meant we are to represent him. And the word represent means to represent. To represent Jesus. So when you use the name of Jesus, you're representing him. Meaning that when we pray in Jesus' name, it's just as if Jesus was praying. Just as if Jesus was praying. So in Jesus' name is not how I end my prayer. In Jesus' name is the way I exercise my authority to receive my prayer answered. So when you say, Father, I thank you for healing me in Jesus' name. It's just like Jesus went to the Father and said, Father, I thank you for healing her. I thank you for healing him. Because I did it in his name. Hallelujah. The, the name grants me access to the throne. Because when I use the name, it's just like I'm there. Because Jesus is there because I used his name. When my wife signed that paper in the title office and signed my name to it, for all legal purposes, I was there. Amen? Somebody would say, well, he wasn't physically there, but my name was there. And all they needed was my name. Hallelujah. Jesus left us a signed document. And he said, I have given you all authority. Now go in my name and cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick. See them recover. Hallelujah. So when I say in the name of Jesus, you may say, well, you're physically here on the earth, but I'm in reality there because my representative is there. When I say in the name of Jesus, you may not physically see Jesus in my situation, but he's there because his name is there. Oh, hallelujah. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we're taking his place on earth. When I pray in Jesus' name, I'm taking his place on the earth. Because understand that Jesus at this point in time is not going to physically be in the earth. But when I pray in his name, <laughs> it's just like he's here. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're taking his place on the earth. We're using his name and his authority to carry out his will on the earth. Our job is to carry out the will of Jesus. And I do that by using His name. Hallelujah. So whatever you find in the, in the Word that's God's will, then you attach the name to that and it comes to pass. Amen. The only difference is instead of Jesus doing it, we're doing it for Him. Instead of Jesus laying hands on the sick, I'm doing it for him in his name. And he said, I could expect the same results he saw. Matter of fact, he said, I could expect greater works 
Is that what he said? Well, how is that? Because I'm using his name. Even if there are things that, and, and in reality, we see that every time somebody gets born again. We see that sometime, every time somebody gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus never saw anybody filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Jesus didn't see but 12 people born again in his entire ministry. Yeah. Well, 11, actually. Because he breathed on the 11 and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that's when they were born again. Everybody else had, every, everybody else had to hear it through them. So every time, every, we, we, the, 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 we have seen more people born again in our churches than Jesus ever saw in his earthly ministry. Every time we lay hands on somebody and they're filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that's a work that Jesus never did. Amen. And people will argue about that. Well, he didn't mean, you know, greater in kind. He meant greater in quantity. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to the Father. Why was that important? He had to go to the Father to leave us his name. To do the greater works, he had to go to the Father and be seated at the right hand of the Father and have all authority and all power and all dominion conferred upon him so that he could confer it upon us so the greater works could be done. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no special faith needed to use the name of Jesus and here's why it's legally ours no special faith needed that's so important and I'll explain that to you as we move forward when we use the Jesus Jesus was given the name so he could give us give it to us and when we use the name of Jesus to pray for the sick Jesus is present and, 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 you know, we call it anointed to lay hands on the sick or, or the healing anointing or whatever. Well, here's, here's the point. I understand we use those phrases and we should. But when we say the healing anointing is here, Jesus is there. Because His is the daddy anointing. The only anointing I have is His. I don't have my own anointing. It comes from Him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So that healing anointing started with Jesus. And when he gave us the name, he gave us access to it. And there are people that operate in differing measures of it, greater or lesser measures, depending on, on what they're called to do. But here's the point. That anointing comes from Jesus. When I lay hands on the sick, Jesus is laying hands on them. Hmm. No, 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 notice in Acts 3, Acts 3, and verse 16, we talked about this earlier, but it says, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong who you see and know. The faith which is by him, by Jesus, hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So Jesus was there. In uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 32. 
And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came to the saints which were at Lydia. And he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years, sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Wait a minute. Make your bed. And he arose immediately. I thought that was Peter talking. But he said, Jesus makes you whole. Was Jesus there? Had to be. Because scripture says he said, Jesus makes you whole. How was Jesus there? Power of attorney. Using the name. Jesus was in Lydia. Jesus was standing in front of Aeneas. And when Peter said, Jesus makes you whole, the power in the name of Jesus made that man whole. And he got up off that bed that he'd had for eight years. Hallelujah. Do you see that? See, it's not trying to take healing. Or trying to believe. The name makes healing available. Don't struggle. Just use it. Don't try to be healed. Don't struggle to be healed. Just use it. Just take the name. Amen. Because what happens very often. Is in trying to take healing. Or trying to believe. I limit the authority of the name. I'll use the example again. My wife did not try to use my name. She just did it. And didn't think twice about it. Amen. She used to say all the time when she would preach on the name of Jesus, she said, everything Philip still has is mine. I have check writing privileges. Everything that Jesus has is yours. You have check writing privileges. Amen. You do exercise faith when you use the name of Jesus. But understand something. It is, let me say it this way and I'll explain it. It's unconscious faith. And here's what I mean by that. When you write a check, you're not struggling to do that. You know the money's in the bank. And you sit down and you write the check and send it. You used a measure of faith, but it was an unconscious faith because you knew the money's in the bank. When you say, in the name of Jesus, it's not a struggle. It's going to happen. So I'm exercising the amount of faith by using the name of Jesus, but it's an unconscious faith with the knowing that the funds are already there and heaven will back up whatever I say in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Look at Romans 8. I know we're moving quickly, but there's so much here. Oh, this is good. Amen. So whatever you're believing for, if you're believing for healing, don't try to take it. Just take it. Don't struggle with it. Just take it. Just receive it. Now, that sounds simplistic. But I have received it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 11, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. This scripture explains why the spirit dwells in us. 
Notice he says, I'm a debtor, but not to the flesh. I'm a debtor, but not to the flesh. Notice he says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Now, very often when that's read, it's used in the, in the context of sin and, and living right, and that's certainly applicable. But here's what I want you to see. I'm a debtor, but not to the flesh. Meaning, when sickness attacks us, we should realize healing's in the name and just accept what belongs to us. I'm not a debtor to anything that wants to come on my flesh. I'm not a debtor to sickness. I don't have to be sick just because they say I have to be sick. I don't have to deal with something just because it runs in my family. I don't owe the flesh anything. Right? Amen. Realize healing's in the name and accept what belongs to you. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And I'm a debtor, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. So not just sin, not just wrong living. I'm not a debtor to live sick. I'm not a debtor to live broke. I'm not a debtor to live depressed. I'm not a debtor to live without what I need. Why? I have the name of Jesus at my disposal. Yeah, but I'm dealing with this in my mind. Tell your mind to line up in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, tell your mind to line up in Jesus' name. And watch what begins to happen. Tell your body to line up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Look, 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 look at 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Whew. The power in the name. You know, this, this I, I've studied this for years, and, and, and probably even after all the years of study that I've made, I probably still know about a thimbleful, maybe. Uh, uh, we'll always be learning. But, but here's the thing that I've learned over the years, is I've heard so much in the church. That I want to get back to the early church revival. Can I tell you something? I don't. Because people will say, yeah, but the early church, listen, that was the baby church. If the baby church operated in that much power, how much power should we be operating in? Or how much power do we have at our disposal? I don't want to take a back seat. I don't want to take a step back. I want what God wants for my generation. I want what God wants for the time that we're living in. And the time that we're living in is a replication of what was seen, but greater than what was ever seen. Amen. You know, and, and, and many in the church world have tapped into that over the years. They've tapped into that over the years. John Lake was, uh, uh, a spirit of prayer came on them one time. And uh, he said that uh, all of a sudden, uh, he felt himself leaving his body. And he left the church that he was in, praying on the platform, and was transported in the spirit to another country and a person lay dying and he went and laid hands on that person in the name of Jesus and Jesus healed them. And then he came back to himself and came back to his consciousness on that platform. 
Now, there are people over the years that have heard that, and they say, oh, that's that metaphysical and, and you know, time, soul travel. It, it wasn't nothing of the kind. His spirit left his body. Reckon your spirit could pray for somebody? Your spirit talks to God. Amen. And, and, and if he had the faith that was needed in that situation, God will do what... God took Philip up out of Samaria and, and transported him miles into the desert to get one man saved. Amen. Well, it's a pretty good indicator. It wasn't his flesh, bone, and bone body that was transported through time. Something had to change metabolically for him to be translated. You know, translated is, I was here and I, and I showed up over there. It wasn't by a whirlwind. It wasn't by some great wind that came and picked him up. He was translated. Amen. We, we've seen instances of this where people have got to the edge of those greater works Jesus was never translated he was never translated from one city to another city and laid hands on somebody and came back to where he was that was a greater work amen how'd he do it in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus one man said Smith Wigglesworth saw 21 verified people raised from the dead not people they thought were dead, dead. They were dead. Amen. Now, now, that's not just that man. That's not just talking about days gone by. We're saying if people in those years and those days could tap in to the revelation of the power in the name of Jesus to that extent, what can we do? Amen. 1 Peter 2 and 24. Talking of Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. One translation says, the Amplified translation says, we cease to exist to sin. Now I'm not talking about sin, but I want to explain this to you. We don't have to die again to sin. You'll hear people all the time in the church talk about dying to the flesh and dying out to sin. You don't have to. That, all, that was already done for you. Jesus died to sin once. It'd do no good for you to die to sin. Now what we mean is die to the desire to sin. But the desire to sin was killed. There's a wonderful book called Redeemed and Righteous by Nature. That Pastor Michelle wrote. You don't have a dual nature. You don't have an unrighteous nature and a righteous nature. You've only got one nature, the nature of God. Amen. So what I mean and what I'm saying is we died to our old sin nature, our sins, our sickness and disease, and we live in the fullness of His life. When we understand that, we'll not accept anything the devil may try to place on us. When you understand that, that his days of dominion are over. Condemnation for past sins won't work either because Jesus was condemned for our sin. Jesus suffered condemnation for me. He was condemned for my sin. That's why I can be free from it. Amen. Jesus, though, notice, 
became sick for us. He was made sick for us. So just like he became sin for me, and I don't have to live under sin, he became sick for me, and I don't have to live under sickness. Hallelujah. In uh, Isaiah 53, I'm almost done. Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. There's a, a, a man one time, young man, he had just got delivered from drugs and had come out of Teen Challenge and he had a job delivering things. Uh, matter of fact, you may know him, Todd White. And, and he ministers a lot with Brother Copeland in different places. And, but uh, in any event, uh, he, uh, he was delivering things and he, he saw this guy uh, really struggling to walk across the parking lot. He had one leg shorter than the other and just looked like he was in pain. And so he went up to him and he said, hey, he said, uh, uh, can I talk to you for a minute? And the guy said, yeah, sure. And he said, well, can I look at your legs? I noticed that one's shorter and there was a lot of pain there. And he said, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, and so he sat down and uh, he said, I took the guy's legs and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And he said, that leg grew out and the, and the pain went away. And the guy's like, well, well, well what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, uh, well, I mean, I guess you're getting healed. And the man said, I'm a pastor. And he said, I've been teaching my church for years that healing and miracles and the gifts of the Spirit have all been done away with. And Todd White said, well, that's too bad for you because you're going to have a hard time hiding your healing when you go to church Sunday. <laughs> and, and the guy said, yeah, I, I, I will. He said, matter of fact, I'm going to go tell him I've been preaching a lie. Amen. Well, here's the point. He, he didn't really even know what to do. He just went and picked the guy's legs up and said, in the name of Jesus, and here come the legs. When you, will, when you will use the name of Jesus in a simple faith, you'll see outstanding results. You just believe it's going to happen. Remember what Jesus said about entering the kingdom? He said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. And we've complicated that. If you've been around any little children, you'll understand what he was saying. Amen. My daughter, my three-year-old daughter, has absolutely no problem believing that I'm going to do everything I say. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll leave for a weekend in Kansas, and before I leave, she'll go, what are you going to bring me? And so then I'll FaceTime her and Mama, and, and she'll go, did you get my present yet? Because I said I would, right? And she'll tell, she'll tell Pastor Michelle, Poppy's bringing me a present. Amen. And when I get home, she hears the garage door open, and that door opens into the garage door, and she comes running around the car like. You know, I get a hug and a kiss, and she'll go, where is it? No, that's not spoiling. That's teaching them to believe God, all right? I... But my point is, that's why it has to be received like a little child. The name of Jesus has to be used in a simple childlike faith. If I say this in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen. 
In reality, in our minds, it has to be impossible not for it to happen. In Isaiah 53, this is my last verse, and verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, or the chastisement needful to obtain peace, was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The correct translations translate this, he carried our pains. Bore griefs, carried our pains. Matter of fact, the Hebrew says he was tormented with our pain. Sickness has no right to impose itself on us. And when sickness comes around, we should treat it just like we treat our old sins. I, I don't believe that you would sit around and listen to the enemy talk to you about your past failures that are forgiven. Amen? Sickness has to be treated the same way. The moment we confess our sin, God forgives it. Well, also, the moment we recognize sickness in our life, He's faithful and righteous to heal us. Uh, nope, nope, that's, 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 that's under the curse. That's sickness. I refuse that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This doesn't require a long, drawn-out battle. Hallelujah. You know, when Andrew Womack told the story about his son dying, they called and said his son had died. And uh, uh, Mary, you may have heard it even on a, a more personal level than I, but he, he had been dead for a number of hours. He was dead for a number of hours. I mean, had a toe tag. Five hours in the cooler. Not just, not just laying on the table. They'd put him in the morgue. He's gone. And he said, when we started leaving Colorado Springs to go to the hospital, he said, you know, this depression and this sadness tried to come on me. And he said, but all of a sudden I thought, no, 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 wait a minute. I have the victory over this. And he said, I started rejoicing and praising God and glorifying God. And he went in that hospital in the morgue and raised his son from the dead. After he was dead five hours. You know, you can't be kind of dead for five hours. Sort of dead. You're, you're dead. So he saw his son raised from the dead, saw his wife raised from the dead, all by the name of Jesus. Because he just refuses to allow it to lord over him. Are you following me? It's written in the Word of God. And the name of Jesus backs it up. The Word of God cannot fail any more than God can fail. And, and even the most religious person in the world will tell you that God can't fail. Now they say that, but they don't believe it. But I'm telling you tonight that God's Word cannot fail any more than God can fail. So we have to get to the place where we exercise our faith just like we write a check for an amount we know is in the bank. 
When I send off a check, we don't do it a lot nowadays because we can do everything online. But when you send off a check or you, you, you click an amount and, and hit send, you don't sit there and worry, is it going to come through? The money's in the account. Jesus produced and provided all the capital we're ever going to need in his name. And when I say in the name of Jesus, I don't have to question, is it going to happen? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Why? Because he gave me that name. Hallelujah. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I remember one time... Uh, there was a, uh, a lady that came to, well, she was a member of our church, actually. And uh, she came and uh, wanted us to pray over a uh, handkerchief uh, because her sister-in-law uh, had, uh, had uh, cancer, uh, if I remember correctly, in uh, uh, her the, the area, ovaries and in different areas, she'd had cancer in uh, her body, and it had destroyed her ability to have children. I mean, not only not only uh, the doctor had said it's impossible. You're never. I mean, it's never. You're never going to have children again. And uh, so, in any event, she brought this handkerchief and asked us to pray over it, and we prayed over it, and uh, she sent it to uh, uh, Colorado, where they were living. And uh, uh, a few weeks later. Uh, she started feeling sick, and she went to the doctor. She was, I mean, having a bad time. And uh, so the doctor examined her, and, and you know, they're, they're going through, is this the flu or, or what is it? And uh, the doctor came back in the room, and he goes, well, I have the answer. And she said, well, what is it? And he said, it makes no sense. He said, uh, this is morning sickness. He said, you're pregnant. Well, they had taken out one set of her ovaries and the others were so damaged, according to the doctor, when they did the chemotherapy for the cancer, it just, this was his words, they, they, it just melted those ovaries. So they, they didn't take them out because they weren't posing a risk to her, but they were, they were so damaged they might as well have been out. Now, I don't know how they run to test and what they do. I'm not a medical professional. But whatever test they did, that doctor found that that woman had two brand new sets of ovaries and an entirely new reproductive system. That's documented. I, for years, I had the picture of that baby that was born to that mother in my archives. For years, I had it. They wrote me the letter, told me the impossibilities. I'm not saying these things, something I heard. I saw this happen. That very same woman that had uh, uh, us pray for her sister-in-law came up. She had a deformity in her body in her sinus passage, and, and one of her sinus passages had grown over with bone, and it was causing a lot of pain. It was causing a lot of pressure. She couldn't breathe right. She, when she would lay down, it would be so painful. Nothing that could be done. I mean, the, the doctors talked about an extensive procedure, but who wants them drilling into your skull through your nose? I mean, nobody. I don't want that. We laid hands on her. 
One week later, she came back with the, the, the x-ray here of what it was previously and the x-ray here of it being totally open with no medical procedures. And people say, how'd that happen? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I, we, we were assistant pastors at, at this church, and, and a lady came up to, to us, and she wanted prayer. And so uh, I was about to pray for her. I said, well, what do you need uh, prayer for? And uh, she showed me the, the x-ray. She said, I was having trouble breathing, and I thought it was pneumonia. And uh, she said, I was coughing, and I went to the doctor. She worked for a medical professional, and, and they did the scan and took the x-ray and did everything they had to do. And they said they, it was pneumonia, but they saw something under the pneumonia, and it was a tumor. And it was, it was a tumor that was half the size of her lung. Huge. It was the biggest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life, too. If you've ever seen anybody with cancer and you don't think it's of the devil, it's of the devil. Amen. She said, I, I need Jesus to heal me. Now, here's something that I learned. I was going to say this early. I don't mean to keep taking your time. But here's something I learned. How simple it is to get people healed. When you lay hands on people in the name of Jesus, you don't see Jesus praying a big lengthy prayer. You don't see Peter and Paul praying lengthy prayers. They command that thing to change in the name of Jesus. And I learned that. And I laid hands on that lady and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, you kill this cancer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we tell stories like this, we can kind of get ahead of it and kind of guess what happened. But when you think about it, then she comes back in the next Sunday with a new scan and there's no tumor. One lady came in and I noticed when she came up, she had stitches right here on her forearm. And she came up for prayer, and I said, what are you here for? And she said, well, do you see this? And I said, yes, I see that. She said they did a bone, uh, what do they call it, biopsy? Is that what they call it, I guess, when they, they go and take a section of the bone? And she said, they took a section of the bone, and I have cancer all through my bones. And she said, there's nothing they can do. And she said, that, that's what this is for, and I'm here for prayer. These people didn't even come to the church. They heard that people could get healed. They heard that cancer was being healed. And I laid hands on her. Hallelujah. She left and I didn't see her for two weeks. She came back with the report. One report, bone cancer. Two weeks later, no cancer to be found in her body. My Lord. Amen. There, 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 there was a man there that had epilepsy. He would go into epileptic fits. I mean, and, and when I say that, I'm not being politically incorrect. That's, he, he would go into epileptic seizures. He had uh, 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 what they call tubers on his face that epileptics get and, and skin tags and things that would come out on his face. It's just sitting under the Word. I don't know that I ever laid hands on him. Just sitting under the Word. He began to testify about how those things were falling off his face. He hadn't had a seizure in I don't know how long. Amen. Because we were using the name of Jesus. And things were changing. Told you about the little boy that, that got healed. Seven different allergy medications. Totally free. 
by the power of God. And that's not to mention all the people that were delivered. Demons were cast out. People were set free. The gifts of healing were in operation. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. God was showing, and, and I'm not saying that in to say, you know, hey, that's what we want to press into. That's never changed. Our ministry has always functioned in that realm of the supernatural because we came to understand all those years ago, when you say something in the name of Jesus, it's going to change. It's going to change. It's going to change. My father one time, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this and we'll pray. My father one time was preaching in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We went there uh, for a weekend meeting. Uh, and and if, if, you've ever, if you've ever traveled with an evangelist, it's, a, it's an experience. But in any event, that's, that was our life. My dad was an evangelist. Evangelized up to, up to the year he died. I mean, he always used to joke about how he, you know, they'd probably pull him out of the car, and that's just almost what they did. But in any event, uh, he went there, we went there to preach. And, you know, Fredericksburg, Virginia is up not too far from Washington, D.C., and uh, uh, up around Maryland and whatnot. And so when winter comes, it comes. And, uh, man, they had a storm that hit. And the pastor there, Norman Gallimore, he told uh, my dad, my dad said, if you want to cancel, I understand. He said, no. He said, let's just give them tonight. They'll have the roads clear and we'll have service. And so uh, we started uh, that meeting. And it was supposed to be for, like I said, a weekend. It ended up running 31 days every night. And they brought a little, a little child, four-year-old child, to that meeting that had never walked, had never walked, had never walked a day in its life. And uh, my dad was preaching, and uh, he felt led of the Lord. And when he started his sermon, he picked that child up, and ever how long he preached, an hour or 45 minutes or ever how long, and he held that baby the whole time he was preaching. The whole time he was preaching. He never prayed for that child. Never prayed for him. Sat him down and said, in the name of Jesus, and that kid took off running. And never walked. Could not walk. Just in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, we look back on that generation. And I look, I look back on my dad's generation. You know, they, they had some ideas about faith that maybe, you know, I, I don't necessarily see eye to eye. But here's something that they knew that I wish this generation would get a hold of. Is that when you say something in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen. And they put more dependence on the supernatural ability of God than they did on natural things. Amen. And I realize we got to use wisdom and we got to use the things that are at our disposal. But folks, when we pray tonight, we don't have to, I don't have to lay hands on you. When we pray, whatever you're believing God for is going to go. Jesus prayed for such multitudes that there was no way for him to lay hands on everybody. It says he prayed for them and healed them with his word and cast out the devils with his word. Right? So that means I can cast out devils with my word. I can see people healed with my words. Because when I use the name of Jesus, he's here. Amen. If you're believing for something tonight, healing, Victory in some areas. Just stand on your feet tonight. I believe God. I believe God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. 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 And you can establish your own point of contact. In the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name. I'll say that, Lord. Under the direction of the Lord Head of the Church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And under a tangible healing anointing. Father, I speak to every person under the sound of my voice that's dealing with sickness of any kind, need a healing of any sort. In the name of Jesus, go from their bodies. Receive your healing. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God.